are all well. And before we begin our special Love Life sermon this morning, I'd first like to wish all of our fathers here today a very happy Father's Day. And fathers, it has been my prayer for you all this week that you be strong, that you show yourselves as men, and that you keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in His ways, keeping His statutes, and keeping His commandments and rules and testimonies. Because if those words were good enough for David to pass on to his son Solomon, then they are most assuredly then a good enough prayer for each and every one of you here today. And thus again to all of our fathers here this morning, happy Father's Day. And continue, fathers, to be steadfast in leading your families in the ways of the Lord. Now as for our sermon this morning, being that love life is here today, educating us on all the evils of the abortion industry and on the need to shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ into this dark, dark realm, and furthermore being that this is our Love Life Adoption Week, where we will be praying as a church family on Wednesday for the Lord to end this evil of abortion, and then on Saturday, going to plan parenthood for a time of worship and prayer as well, or as Love Life so beautifully puts it, motivated by the Great Commandment, guided by the Great Commission, and collaborating in John 17 unity, we as a church family will try to reach that of the least of these at our local abortion mission field which, make no mistake about it, in today's hostile world is a bold and daring and, as some would even say, kind of scary thing to do. And thus, because of all that, I decided then that my sermon for us this morning would come from the book of Ephesians, particularly from that of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13, or on the whole armor of God. Nevertheless, before we get to that text this morning, church, I do want to share with you all some background and some context on this passage in order to make sure that we are all not only on the same page here, church, but also to help you all see why exactly I chose to preach from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13 this morning. So in Ephesians chapter 5, we see the Apostle Paul exhorting and calling and admonishing husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church, and for wives to submit to their husbands as to the Lord. And then, at the beginning of Ephesians chapter 6, we see the Apostle Paul calling fathers to not provoke their children, and for children to obey their parents, and for bondservants to obey their earthly masters, and for masters to do the same to their bondservants, and to stop threatening them. To which the Apostle Paul then, to summarize scholar, Klein Snodgrass here, for he then stops presenting these ideal circumstances or situations to his Christian readers here like marriage being described in the ideal terms of believing and loving husbands and wives, and instead begins to focus on and acknowledge the reality of evil as an active force, and seeks to motivate his readers then to live out their new identity in Jesus Christ. 
and to stand against the pagan lifestyles all around them and to be prepared for battle since right living does not just happen and that opposition will most certainly come their way. And opposition will most certainly come their way because, as the Apostle Paul also previously stated in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, for the day's church, for they are evil. And thus being that we too, brother Christian, sister Christian, are also living at a time and living in a world that is fallen and depraved and wicked and evil. And furthermore being that we too, brother Christian, sister Christian, also have to be prepared to stand against the pagan lifestyles that are out there today and against the spiritual forces of evil. For I thought then, church, that this text in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13 would be particularly applicable then and relevant then for our Love Life sermon here today. Which takes us now, church, to our thesis statement this morning, or to the main theme of our sermon this morning, which is this. Christian, put on the whole armor of God in order to stand against the evil schemes of the devil. Christian, put on the whole armor of God in order to stand against the evil schemes of the devil. And thus at this time, church, let's open our Bibles up this morning to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. And if you are joining us today and do not have or do not own a Bible, then please feel free to grab and even to keep one of our church Bibles, which are all located in the chairs in front of you, as our gift to you this morning. And the only thing we ask, if you do indeed take and keep one of our church Bibles, is that you read it. Starting today by turning that brand new Bible of yours to page 979 and by joining us as we as a church family hear the word of God together this morning. For again, we will be in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning, church, and we'll be looking specifically at verses 10 through 13, where the Apostle Paul, the author of the book of Ephesians, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray for courage this morning. And this week, church, Father, we understand what we are getting ourselves into. To adopt a week, to stand for the sanctity of all human life, to call abortion what it is, murder, 
and sin. To hold fast to the truth of your word, Father. And to stand against any manifestations of the schemes of the devil that may come our way this week. And yet, Father, you have given us in your word ways that we can stand firm. And it is not by relying on ourselves, but in you and your power and your strength and by taking up the whole armor of God. And thus I pray that you strengthen each one of the individuals here this week, next week, and every other week for that matter, Lord, to put on the whole armor of God, to take up the whole armor of God, and to never take that armor off as we continue to stand against all the schemes of the evil one. Father, I pray that you open the eyes and the ears and soften the hearts of these, each dear individuals here today. Lord, let them realize this is not some political sermon. This is a sermon that is based on the word of God. God, you are the creator of all life. You care about all life, and you get the final say on all of these issues concerning life. Let us grasp that this morning, I pray. Let us be bold to live out your truth, I pray. And I pray, Father, that you help my lisping and my stammering tongue this morning to deliver that truth boldly boldly and clearly and accurately to these dear ones this morning and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first of two points this morning, church, is this. Point number one, Christian, put on the whole armor of God in order to keep yourself from being deceived by the devil. Point number one, Christian, put on the whole armor of God in order to keep yourself from being deceived by the devil. Verses 10 and 11, which read, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So again, church, in light of the fact that the days are evil and that the Apostle Paul wants his Christian readers here, Ephesians chapter 4, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which they have been called, And Ephesians chapter 5, to be imitators of God as beloved children and to ultimately then, church, live out their new identity in Jesus Christ. For the Apostle Paul then, he writes in verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And that the Apostle Paul is not telling his Christian readers here to be strong in themselves or to be empowered by the philosophies of man, or to rely on the power of their own intelligence, their own wisdom, or their own insight, intuition, understanding, or wit, but to instead be empowered, be strengthened, and to be strong, verse 10, in the Lord. Since as John MacArthur writes, the strength of the Christian's life is their dependence on God and that any other strength will prove to be inadequate. And thus the cardinal reality presented throughout the book of Ephesians is that as believers we are in Christ and one with him, and that his life is our life, his power is our power, his truth is our truth, his way is our way, and as the Apostle Paul goes on to say here in verse 10, his strength is our strength. 
And thus, in order to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, the Apostle Paul then tells his Christian readers here in verse 11 to put on the whole armor of God, which is described by the Apostle Paul in verses 14 through 17 as the belt of truth where believers fasten to themselves the objective truths of God and faithfully then live those truths out. And the breastplate of righteousness, where believers, as new creations in Jesus Christ, seek then to imitate that of Jesus Christ. And as shoes for our feet, the readiness given by the gospel of peace, where believers ground themselves in the gospel so that they can be ready then, no matter the situation, to stand against the evil schemes of the devil. And by taking up in all circumstances the shield of faith, where believers trust in and rest in the promises of God, and the helmet of salvation, where believers continue to hope in the assurance of their salvation. And finally then, by taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, where believers actively speak and declare and proclaim the very Word of God to the spiritual forces of evil in order to resist that of the devil. And we need to be strong in the Lord, church, and in the strength of his might by putting on and taking up this whole armor of God so that we can, verse 11, stand against the schemes of the devil. Since the devil, for he has schemes that he uses against us, church, and strategies that he uses against us, and tricks and deceptions and ploys that he cleverly uses against us in order, as Tony Merida noted, to distort the truth and to camouflage the evil. D.L. Moody Church, for he once shared that how many people today all over the world are being deceived by the God of this age. For it has been said that during the late French-German War of 1870, that German drummers and German trumpeters would actually make the French beats and the French calls in order to deceive their French enemies. For the command to halt or to cease fire was often given by the Germans. And thus, as a result of that, the French soldiers then would often be deceived and be put into positions where they would be shot down like cattle. And Satan, for he is the archenemy of our souls, and he seeks to blind our reason and deceive our consciences by his falsehoods. And he does so by often coming to us as an angel of light, concealing his hideousness under a borrowed cloak, saying things to a young man like, go and sow your wild oats, for there is still plenty of time for you to be religious, promising great things to those he targets all while knowing full well that his targets will never get what he promises. Since Satan's promised pleasures always turn out to be pain, and his promised heaven always turns out to be hell. For Scripture tells us, church, that Satan, that he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, 1 Peter 5, 8 and that he disguises himself as an angel of light, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, and that he is the father of lies, a deceiver, a tempter, 
the prince of the power of the air, and that he is our enemy. And thus, practically speaking here, church, and in light of our Love Life Adoption Week here, church, for if you desire then to not get caught up in believing the lies and the deceptions and the falsehoods of the devil that are out there today, that the unborn aren't fearfully and wonderfully made by our God, or knit together in their mother's womb by our God, or created in the image of our God, known before they were formed by our God, and don't all have intrinsic value in the eyes of our most holy God, then you must, must, must then, Christian, put on, take up, and keep on the whole arm of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, the readiness given by the gospel of peace, and the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, also that you can stand against the many manifestations of the schemes of the devil, as one pastor put it, not be deceived by the lies of the evil one, and to hold fast then, brother Christian, sister Christian to the truth of your God's most holy word no matter what kind of deceptions your enemy the devil may ultimately try to throw your way. Which brings us to point number two. Christian, spiritual warfare is real and thus you must be prepared for spiritual attacks. Christian spiritual warfare is real, and thus you must be prepared for spiritual attacks. Verses 12 and 13. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So after already telling his Christian readers in verse 10 to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, by verse 11, putting on the whole armor of God so that they can stand against the schemes of the devil... For the Apostle Paul then, church, turns his attention here to the type of enemy that his Christian readers need to be prepared to face. And he goes on to write in verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Flesh and blood here, church, referring to that of humanity. But that instead we wrestle, verse 12, against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil. To which you might be sitting there this morning, church, thinking, for how can the Apostle Paul say that? That we as Christians do not wrestle against flesh and blood or struggle against that of humanity. I mean, aren't these real physical doctors who are openly killing unborn children at Planned Parenthood? 
and real in your face organizations who are openly promoting and glorifying abortion to the world and real flesh and blood lawmakers who are supposed to be promoting and protecting good and restraining and punishing evil but who are instead openly promoting death and punishing that of the least of these, those being that of the unborn. And although that is all true, brother Christian, sister Christian, for a stam storms clarifies it here. For behind and beneath our daily and earthly struggles with people and institutions and ideologies is an unseen spiritual battle. And thus Paul's point here is not to deny that we have earthly and human antagonists, but instead Paul's point here is that even when we do have to stand and struggle against them, that Satan ultimately lurks behind their efforts. And thus, although there is some ambiguity here, church, in verse 12, concerning these aforementioned evil spiritual beings, the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness and the spiritual forces of evil... In terms of what exactly each one does and where each one ranks on the evilness hierarchy, if you will, for what does seem to be clear here, church, as one commentator alludes to, is that the devil most assuredly is strategic and schematic and that he has at his disposal a vast array of demons and minions and spiritual beings who are unique and sophisticated and powerful and like that of a military are ready to swiftly and to cunningly wage war on Christians everywhere. To which the Apostle Paul then tells his Christian readers once again in verse 13 to take up then the whole armor of God so that they, verse 13, may be able to withstand in the evil day. The evil day, seemingly referring here, church, to the present evil age that we are currently living in now, which will have as part of it certain times and certain moments and certain instances when the spiritual attacks against us, Christian, will become particularly intense and heightened, acute and severe. For to paraphrase or rephrase a story I read this week, church, that when a man has truly been born again, that it seems as though every influence of evil becomes arrayed against him, and that unless his rebirth is truly genuine, for he then quite simply will not be able to stand against those evil attacks. And thus there once was a college professor and lecturer who prior to being saved by Jesus Christ was a poor and wretched drunkard. However, a short time after he was saved by Christ, he was asked to come back to his hometown in order to speak and to lecture there. That's when he got on stage to speak, he found that liquor had been sprinkled all over the floor of the stage, also that its fumes could tempt him and maybe get him to start drinking once again. However, the college professor trusted in God, stood firm, and ultimately then rejected these temptations and attacks from the evil one. And thus, as we wrap up point number two this morning, church, for what I want you all to realize here and to grasp here and to comprehend here is that spiritual warfare 
that it is real. And that there are times in this evil age when the spiritual attacks against us will become particularly intense and heightened and acute and severe. And thus because of that, I want to encourage you all here today, especially as we, Faith Bible Fellowship Church of York, partner with Love Life this week in order to stand for life, oppose what is evil, hold fast to what is good, and seek to shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ into the darkness to church family, prepare ourselves, and to ready ourselves for any spiritual attacks that we could face this week by putting on, taking up, and keeping on, brother Christian, sister Christian, verse 13, the whole armor of God so that we can faithfully oppose what is evil this week, hold fast to what is good this week, and to very practically then, as a church family this week, live out the very word of God by speaking up for those who cannot speak Proverbs 31. Not withholding good from those who deserve it. Proverbs chapter 3. And by seeking to care for that of the least of these this week, church. Matthew chapter 25. By particularly caring for that of the unborn. And thus, as we begin to close this morning, I'd like to do so with the non-Christian who is here first. And being that today is the start of our love life Adoption week, I do want you to realize here this morning, non-Christian, that although aborting an unborn child is sin, and although encouraging and helping others to abort their unborn child is sin, and that although following after the evil ways of this world and glorifying this practice of aborting an unborn child is sin. The fact of the matter is, all those sins, along with any other sin that you are willing to confess and to turn from and repent of this morning, non-Christian, are all sins that you can be cleansed of, washed of, and forgiven of by the blood of the Lamb himself, Jesus Christ who came into this world, non-Christian, as truly God and as truly man, to live and to dwell amongst us and to save us from our sins. And he did that by initially living a life here on earth that we as sinners could never, ever live. And that the law of God that we as sinners break over and over and over again each and every day for Jesus Christ when he came into this world, he never broke that law once, but instead lived a sinless and holy and righteous life here on earth and in doing so fulfilled the law of God perfectly and completely and without any kind of offense all for the very children of God. However, that was not all that this sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, accomplished while he lived and dwelt among us. And I say that because Jesus Christ also then paid the price for our sins that we as sinners could not pay by willingly giving up his own life, by being pierced and nailed to crucified and crushed on a cross at Calvary in our place and as our very substitute, even though he himself 
never sinned, and in doing so, satisfied then non-Christian the justice of our holy God, and appeased then non-Christian the wrath of our holy God, all toward his sinful children as well. And thus, because of that, three days later than this sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, for he didn't remain dead or buried in some grave, but instead, three days later, he, Jesus Christ, he rose from the grave, and he defeated sin, and destroyed eternal death once and for all, and now offers eternal life to all who place their trust in him. Thus, let today be the day, non-Christian, that you turn from your sin. For let today be the day that you repent of your sin, and you place your faith in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone, as the only one who can forgive you of your sin, as the only one who paid the price for your sin, who died for your sin, and can clothe you then in his perfect life, in his righteousness, and reconcile you back to God forever. For let today be the day, non-Christian, that you repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ, and today will be the day that you'll be forgiven of your sin and given the gift, non-Christian, of eternal life. And to the Christian who was here today. For as we close this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian. I realize that some of you might be sitting there this morning wondering. For why exactly do we as a church body here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church. Adopt a week with love life. And have Sarah come in and present on the evils of abortion. And worship and pray outside of planned parenthood. And support ministries like Love Life. And even preach from this pulpit on the sanctity of human life. I mean, don't you think, Pastor West, that all of that is just a little too political for us. And a little too Democrat versus Republican for us. And a little too much overlapping of church and state for us. And the reason why we as a church family wade into this abortion issue so much and stand for the sanctity of all human life so much is because these are moral issues, church, and ethical issues, church, and issues that our God cares about because he is the giver of all human life, church, and thus because of that, he then, our God, gets to have the final say on all of these issues, church. Therefore, in light of our text today, scholar Frank Feeman, for he wrote this concerning verse 12, for Jesus Christ has already won victory over the rebellious and demonic powers, but the victory has not yet been fully implemented. Therefore, demonic powers then still are active in this world, influencing it and working within human beings who continue to rebel against their creator. Consequently, then, it is necessary for believers to put on God's full armor and to take their stand on the ground in which Jesus Christ has already won and to resist the final and ultimately futile attacks of the devil. And thus, practically speaking here, church, for as we participate in this adoption week with love life as a church family, and pray together this week as a church family, 
and gather together outside of Planned Parenthood this week as a church family, seeking to shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ into the darkness this week as a church family, for lovingly, let me encourage you to not let the deceptions or the temptations or the intimidations of the evil one keep you from standing with us this week, church family, but instead clothed in the whole armor of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes for your feet, the readiness given by the gospel of peace and with the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. For let us then, church, stand this week for life and stand this week for truth and stand this week for that of the least of these all in accordance with the very will and word of our God. And yet... Please, please, please do not be mistaken here, church, for I am not trying to guilt anyone into participating with us this week, or to shame anyone into praying with us this week, or to make anyone feel bad if they can't make it to Planned Parenthood with us this week. But instead, all I'm trying to do here, Christian, is to encourage you to live out your faith in the midst of this evil and dark and depraved world and to let you know that you can do that in a very real and practical and tangible way with us during our love life adoption week. And thus, if the Holy Spirit then is tugging at your heart this morning, Christian, or prompting you to participate in our Love Life Adoption Week this morning, Christian, and to speak up for those who cannot speak, and to care for that of the least of these, pray for that of the least of these, intercede on behalf of the least of these, and with the sword of the Spirit in hand, shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ into the darkness this week, then lovingly then he'd pay attention and listen to the Holy Spirit's prompting at this time and be willing then to step out of your comfort zone, to stand for the truth and to give up a couple hours of your Saturday morning and to do it, Christian, because you have a God who willingly gave up his own son, Jesus Christ, for you in order to save you from your very sins. In essence, let that good news, Christian, that God gospel news, Christian, drive you and compel you and motivate you this week, next week, and every other week for that matter, to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, and to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, Christian, to which you have been called. Thus, it is my prayer that we as a church body, that we as the righteous Be as bold as lions. For we know, Lord, that your word says that you knew us before you formed us in the womb. That we were fearfully and wonderfully made and that we are all image bearers of the Most High God. And thus because of that, when we see unborn babies then being killed and destroyed, aborted and slaughtered, for we as your children, Father, for we must speak up, take action, and be willing to stand against these spiritual forces of evil. Therefore, clothed in the whole armor of God, for let us be willing then, Father, to faithfully stand our ground on this moral issue of abortion, to speak the truth in love when it comes to the sanctity of human life, to 
pray that you, Father, would open the eyes of those who have been blinded by the devil and to always, always, always be willing then, Father, to serve and to love you, the one who loved and saved us first by not withholding good from those who deserve it, by speaking up for those who cannot speak, by defending the rights of the needy, and by unapologetically then caring for that of the least of these, including even that, Father, of the unborn. Let's pray.